You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our goal every single week, week in and week out, to bring you uh, wisdom that's not just spoken to the rural church, but is spoken by people who get it, people who have lived there, people who have been changed by the rural church, people who have ministered in these small, out-of-the-way places. Uh, If you're tuning in today and you're a a volunteer pastor or a paid staff or or a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or just somebody trying to do God's work in a small, out-of-the-way place, we are hoping that you leave this podcast feeling equipped and encouraged, again, uh, not just by the good content, but by people who get it and people who love where you're at and, and are praying for you. And so, uh, I'm your host, Joe Epley, and today we have the opportunity to have a conversation with Pastor Barry Johnson, and we're going to let him share some of his story, but I'm really looking forward to this conversation of uh, of what it means to walk churches to health, to, you know, kind of, kind of identify dysfunction, identify health in a church, and then just, you know, enjoying rural ministry in all its forms and all its various ups and downs. And so the first thing I want to do is just introduce him. So Pastor Barry, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing fine, Joe. It's good to be with you. feel very humbled to be on your program, so uh, I'm good to go. Well, awesome, man. And, uh, you know, it, it's really our privilege. Again, uh, we believe that there's just so much wisdom that God has put in the heart of rural leaders. And I know that when I put the the question out there and, and asked a, a mutual friend of ours, I said, who do you got that's doing great? And, and your name came in the circle pretty quickly. And so I'm excited to dive into what you have to offer. But uh, the first thing that we talk about with any guests that we have on the show here is uh, we ask them to describe, you know, your background, especially in ministry and kind of your connection to the rural church. So tell us where you've been, what you've done and, and where you are now. Well, I grew up in uh, uh, central Nebraska in a very small town, Myrna, Nebraska, about uh, about 320. And by uh, many, many, many miracles, the Lord got me to what at that time it was called Trinity Bible Institute before it was a college. And uh, that's a story in itself that would just take too long. But uh, I remember uh, my senior year, I had just been recently married and the Lord was moving in the chapel in a, in a great way. And, and uh, I remember going to the altar and uh, just being in the presence of the Lord. And I, I remember praying this. I said, Lord, I, I just want to do great things for you. And I specifically told, you know, the Lord speaking to me about to do great things for me, I'm going to take you where no one else wants to go. Mm. And he said, I, I want my purpose to overshadow the place. Sure. To be over the place. And I, um, uh, I want it to be about my mission and I will place you there for a reason. He says, I'm going to go on roads that I would never know where they lead. And I have been on roads that I have no idea still today why they are there. So that's kind of my background. Um, And and from that, I, uh, four months later, I took an internship with a man by the name of Stephen uh, Scrabeck, Pastor Scrabeck in Cornell, Wisconsin, in an out of the way place. And uh, from, from that internship, uh, he was the presbyter of that section. And there was a church in Sheldon, which was about 16 miles away that had been an independent assemblies of God church. And uh, so the goal and listen to this goal, Joe. The goal yeah. was to stay there for six months because I wasn't licensed yet to stay oh, there yeah. for. Yeah, I was going to stay there for six months and I was going to take care of these eight people that were left in this church. 
And wow. as long as I could keep them happy, I would get my license in May. Wow. So that's kind of how I got introduced into the rural church. But the Lord did call us to, uh, and of course, our calling has always been and always probably will be uh, churches that no one else ever wants to go to. So sure. uh, every church we've had, it's 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 been that way. And uh, it's been a great ride. Yeah. And so uh, let's highlight some of those other contexts. You know, obviously you start ministering in Sheldon and then, uh, you know, I know you've been a couple places since then. So how long were you in Sheldon? And then where did you go next? In Sheldon, I was there for, for 23 years. Wow. For a six month internship, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, what's interesting about Sheldon is that, um, you know, the church just started growing. And uh, so we just felt the Lord wanted us to stay there. So what ended up happening at, at the end of all of that, and that church got up to about 175 people in a town of 263. Wow. And there was actually four, four other churches in that town. So um, the Lord did an awesome thing there. And uh, then, of course, we were at a church in Kimball, which would be in western Nebraska, okay. uh, pretty, close, pretty close to the Wyoming border. Uh, that, sure. church, that church was dying. Uh, Sheldon was dead. I mean, sure, they, sure, sure, sure. They, they didn't even know the church was still open. The people in town, when I came to town, they didn't even know it was still open. Wow. Um, and, uh, of course, Kimball was dying. It, it, it really had no no really effect on the town. And, in fact, it was known as the Pink Door Church because sure. it was painted, but, but they painted the doors hot pink. And uh, believe it or not, the front doors of that church would not even open and hadn't opened for about a year and a half. So, and then from Kimball... Uh, we were there about four and a half years. And then from Kimball, we went to McCook, where we're at right now, which we've been in seven years. So we'll probably talk about some of those dysfunctions. Sure. Later. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But yeah, that's that's a good uh, good background to hear, you know, of just, uh, again, it's it's like you mentioned right at the outset, your journey really has been a story of saying, God, I will go anywhere and work with any church. And so the Lord says, well, hot dog, let's send this guy wherever we can. And so, so it's exciting to hear about, you know, the beginnings of your journey. I do want to dive in because I know when we're on the phone, the first place I actually want to visit is maybe in your growing up season, you know, maybe just a little ways back. But you mentioned that growing up, you saw some poor examples of ministry and pastors. And and I know that that things that that we experience as kids and teenagers, they kind of really do impact us as adults. So seeing that example of ministry, you know, maybe you can give us a snapshot of that. And, and how does it, you know, does it still affect the way you lead now? Like, what did that teach you? I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I I'm, I mean you're you're spot on about the poor example of ministry and and uh, you know how it impacted me at, at that time how it impacted me was you know I just didn't want any part of ministry and, sure. and even even though I was at Trinity I, I don't know if this makes sense to anybody but but you can be in college for four years and run away from God's call <laughs> <laughs> the whole time huh. <laughs> college you know I I just didn't want any part of ministry because I you know because that's the only example I saw. And, uh, you know, you know, people playing the part and, and uh, like in a lot of those rural churches, sometimes you can be the only kid in the church. Sure. And, uh, and, and that was my case. So they said they loved me, but there was a lot of judging and there was a lot of things I did wrong. And I was always doing something wrong. And, and, you know, looking back at it, you know, um, I felt that rejection mm. and, uh, there was, uh, you know, later on, the Lord began to show me the, the thought that that put, up, put put in me that I think a lot of rural ministers deal with, Joe, is the fact because we, we can be so secluded. Sure. It, it, it's, it's not hard, ex, excuse me, to uh, seclude yourself. Sure. 
I mean, so, um, but that, that thought that I'm not enough, mm. I'm not enough. And I remember going to the pulpit. I, I I'm preaching some of my first messages. I'm with this church that has eight people left in it. All of them are over 70 years old. Yeah, I, it, This is not what you'd call a, a, a bed of life. Right. You know, this young guy that 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 has this thought. I I just remember going to the pulpit. Man, God help me because I'm not enough. I mean, sure. what have I share? You know. So so uh, through that, if I can just share that as far as ministry now, yeah. and, and led led me now is uh, the Lord began to through a period of things through failures as well as successes. You know, all, all those different things that we deal with. You know, the Lord kind of took me on a journey, and I know we're going to talk about the journey after a while. But yeah, for sure, He kind of took me on a journey and 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 uh, began to teach me some things that you know, Barry. I don't want anything to hold you back from what I've called you to. Mm. And um, this this thought, you know, of course, the Bible says, you know, take every thought captive. You know, and sure, yeah, Corinthians, yep. I didn't do that, and then we freak out, and we don't know how to do that, and. But uh, here's what he kind of kind of through the years taught me that that nothing will ever be defeated if it's never defined. Mm. And and he began to define that rejection. I began to trace it back to the church that I grew up in. And this was kind of holding me back, e- even though the church was kind of growing. Yeah. You know, there, there was still some of these things that were holding me back. And so the Lord began to share with me about biblical truth and how there's always one truth that will destroy that lie that's holding you back. Sure. If that makes sense. And and if I could just quote one scripture today, I'll go I'll, for I'll, it. Yeah. Well, the, the truth that he gave me, and maybe this would be an encouragement to someone else, because I don't think I would be the only one in rural ministry that goes, man, oh, absolutely not. Not enough, you know. Um, but he gave me the truth in 2 Peter 1 3, which which is this his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life. Mm. Godliness through the knowledge of him who called us mm. by his glory and by his virtue. And that's kind of the verse I've just kind of hung on to. And, uh, you know, I don't necessarily deal with that thought every day, but, you know, Satan always likes to try to bring those thoughts back. Hey, I'm not enough. And and uh, to be honest with you, when, it, when, it, when I was open with my church about that thought, which is hard, I'm not saying yeah, it's transparency is difficult. I agree. Um, but, um, Boy, they they just hitched right onto that, and and it kind of built it kind of built some trust with people in the congregation. So, yeah, you know, that's kind of how it's impacted me now. And sure, and yeah, how it worked. So, yeah, no, and thank you for sharing that. You know, again, I, I feel like there's a lot of people who identify uh, with what you felt and where you're at, and even the, the same encouragement from the word. You know, even even as you shared that scripture. Just knowing the, the the brief snapshot of your story, I found myself reading that scripture in a new way, saying, "Man, what comfort does the Word of God bring us?" You know. Well, hey, let's uh, let's dive into some of your churches, and uh, you know, uh, one of the questions I want to ask you is: a lot of times, pastors who face dysfunction, you know, whether the church has been, you know, is dying or, or feels dead, or you just walk into a scenario where, you know, it's it's just obvious that that by some metric, health isn't present, and we'll kind of talk about, you know, from your perspective, like like. What is it, you know, that that does mean healthy dysfunction? We'll get to that, but but let's take let's take these churches one at a time, 
And you found, you know, the church in Sheldon, the church in Kimball, the church in McCook, kind of in various states of dysfunction, and through the Lord's help brought growth. And so let's take them one by one. And can you just give us maybe that first step that you really felt like you took in each church that started to turn that tide, that started to help dysfunction become growth? And so, because again, I feel like there's just a lot of wisdom there from, from the first one and the second one. So let's let's talk Sheldon. You know, what was what was maybe that that the state of things? I mean, you, you touched on it a little. And then what was that first step you took to kind of help turn that tide? Yeah. You know, in, in Sheldon, like I said, there was eight people there. And, you know, if you would have had a youth group, it would have been, uh, you know, 70 to 75, you know, eight. <laughs> and, you know, they, they they actually had a meeting before we got, got there. And they said, well, let's just bring this young guy in. And when it closes, we'll blame him. I mean, they. Wow. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, that's insane, insane, but very honest. And like I said, most of the town didn't even know that it was still open. And, and uh, you know, all of the churches that I had had lost their purpose of why they were still still coming. Oh, wow. Know? Sure. Yeah, I sure. think that's a given. But but uh, in, in, in Sheldon's case, there was great needs of repairs. I mean, this church was old. It had water in the basement. It had, uh, it didn't even have a sign out front. It, uh, you know, when you went in the church, it had those old green curtains. I don't, I don't know how old you are, but green was big. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm aware of the era it came from and all I know is that it was before my time. (laughs) Everything was dusty. Um, you know, there was no light coming in the church, the yellow walls, they were all cracked and it was that kind of passion old-fashioned church you had that you know 850,000 steps that went up to the two doors that opened up and and of course you got those old wooden doors but but uh you know in in Sheldon's case and I'm going to be probably repeating myself with all these other ones and that's okay but you know we, we we just simply had to get ourselves in in the community and you know and get ourselves known and I found the best place for that in this town the first place I went to was the bar and Oh, well, nice. this is Wisconsin, northern Wisconsin. If you want a hamburger, you go to a bar. So I remember I just started relationships with uh, people in the bar because uh, I, you know, all my like I said, all my people were over seventy, and you know, <laughs> they uh, had enough energy to get to church on Sunday. You know, <laughs> right, right. That's you know, true. With you, and I just began to develop relationships with those people in the bar, if I could just share one story of what, yeah, do it. Go for uh, it. Of what happened was, uh, you know, in these relationships, I begin to develop one of the people that I met, uh, the first day there actually became a deacon in, in that church. Oh, nice. Um, he was stone drunk, you know, and, uh, you know, just talking to him and I'd get my country time lemonade and I would just belly up to the bar, so to speak. And, and, you know, I, I didn't, I, w- I wouldn't suggest this for every minister in a rural area. I'm not saying that I, I've never sure. had a problem with alcohol. I've had a half a care beer in right. my life, and that was light beer from Miller, and that was so bad I didn't want anything else. <laughs> but Fair but uh, 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 his name was Phil, and you know he became a board mem- member there. And and I remember um, just building that relationship. And I remember one time um, uh, they called me up on the phone. I was doing, I was being very spiritual that moment. I was watching that old TV show Alf. Oh sure, yeah, and. Uh, so anyway, they they called me up and said, hey, Pastor Murray, can you come over to the bar? I said, what's going on, Phil? He says, well, me and the boys are talking about the fall of Satan, and we're not getting it straight. We need to know exactly. <laughs> so anyway. Man, talk about barstool theology. Yeah. I mean, really, you know, they're, they're just sitting there just chatting about this casual. But, but, but what's interesting about this story is um, when, it, when I walk in there, there had just been a bar fight. There's blood all over the floor, and there was, a, oh, there was wow. this other guy there named Randy, and 
He said, Pastor, are you here to talk to us about Satan? I said, yeah, I got the call from Phil. And he goes, see this blood? I go, yeah, I see that. I said, but you could probably tell us about somebody else's blood, huh? I said, well, I want to hear it. He goes, yeah, I'll get some boys. And I remember I took about 45 minutes talking about the blood of Christ and the fall of Satan. So, you know, real quickly quickly in that community, just begin to develop some relationships and trust. You know, I I, I coached basketball in the school system because I basketball for Trinity and boy, they worshiped basketball. We were really good too. We lost two games like in three years and and so that always oh, kind of nice. helps when you're winning, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I said the Lord's I blessing. You know, they see it, you know, right you know, there. I, you know, I, I'd be coaching. I'd be doing out-of-bounds plays. I had this one kid. He grew up in the Church of Christ, and he, uh, his name was Trevor. And he said, hey, Pastor Barry, because they, they all called me Pastor Bar- Barry. And I said, what's up? He says, can you tell me about the Holy Spirit? Right there in oh, wow. practice. And I went, well, you know, I could probably tell you after practice, we probably should practice, you know. So sure, <laughs> sure. just a kid ser- searching. So so obviously I tell those stories because we're just building relationships. But but the other thing is, is, is I did in a practical way is, man, just start loving your church again. Just start loving your ch- church again. And, and uh, of course, every church that I went to, and I don't know if you've heard this from other rural ministers, but but. Every church that I had didn't think I was going to stay there very long because they they were just a stepping stone. That that uh, yeah. you know, I, I I was always told, "What what are you doing here? You should be in a big church. You have the personality for a big right." Where, right. Where, you know, and they're used to it. They're used to the betrayal and the abandonment and the and the sense of we don't really matter. You know, and, and I got advice from pastor friends. What what are you still doing there? I mean, you could go, you could be in Milwaukee, you could be in. Uh, Sure, you, sure. Could, you could be in, in Rice Lake or something. Uh, I even got a call from Rice Lake one time. And the interesting thing about that, if I can tell that story, am I going yeah. too long? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think especially for this question, it seems like your answers for Kimball and McCook are probably going to be similar. So if we want to dive into this, that's fine. So well, I, I remember I said I was at the altar and I was praying and and the Lord says, don't go don't go anywhere. And, and just distinct. And I'm going like, no problem, God, because, because no one knows I'm here, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No one knew the church was open and they certainly have no I'm idea. What's going on. 30 minutes later, I get a call from this big church in Rice Lake, Wisconsin, sure. $75,000, a $10,000 expense account and wanted me to, you know, to, to be their pastor. You know, wow. this is, this is something that, that, that kind of happens in, in, rural areas. I mean, they, they just don't think that they're worthy of anything good, at least in these churches. So, you know, I, I always, uh, in in every church, I always started with, you know, you know, why you need to love the church. Yeah. You know, and I just talked about, Hey, it's the only thing that Jesus is building on this earth. Why wouldn't we want to love this place? Um, it's the most, the church has the most value because it's the highest price that, 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 that was paid. Jesus paid the price for Sheldon. Jesus paid the price for McCook. Jesus pray, paid the price for Kimball. So it's it's very valuable. And, and, and in doing this wow. and building relationships, you can begin to see the energy come back into services and see the energy come back into the room. You know, um, even, even though the worship was probably pretty pathetic for about... Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. You're looking at the practical things going. There's some room for growth here, but again... Yeah. 
the heartbeat is is you know returning man that's powerful stuff well hey let's uh let's chat then let's let's zoom out a little and maybe um maybe can you help me understand you know if you're looking at a church because you you've watched this experience on both sides of the coin maybe take a second and give us you know one or two probably just one or two but you know what are a couple signs of health in a church and what are a couple signs of dysfunction because if you're a pastor in a church you might want to know hey what are some measures that i can hang my hat on that are good or bad you know you kind of want to be aware of your situation so in any order you want maybe just walk us through some of those signs that you've seen yeah i think they're pretty easy to spot uh, as far as dysfunctions, you know, in 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 Sheldon, it, it was about tradition, and uh, uh, in Kimball, uh, there was a lot of consumers in that church. If I can use the word consumer, you know. Yeah, no, that's that's valid. You know, yeah. and uh, you know, in McCook, the the McCook church was very deceived because to the community, the McCook church was just very nauseating. If I could use that word. Yeah, for so, sure. So uh, they weren't hot or cold. Uh, they weren't refreshing. They weren't hot and healing. They were simply nauseating. <laughs> and, uh, you know, mm. uh, they spent a lot of time um, monitoring other people in their church. Oh, interesting. And I can begin to see that dysfunction. You know, uh, there was no room to grow. Um, giving people room to mm. grow is a sign of health. Oh, wow. Yeah. Even though we got problems, even though things are going on, uh, that's and, and that's what's going on now. In McCook, it's starting to become a healthy church because we got people in our church that need to grow. And these people, they're, you know, they're giving them room to grow. You know, dysfunctions, you know, it's about me, you know, traditions and, you know, that club mentality, you know, and just being that consumer. Of course, you know, um, some of the things maybe that other people wouldn't focus on that I've noticed in the three churches that I've been in is, uh, you know, a dysfunctional church spends a lot of energy on avoiding people. Mm. even in church. Yeah. I mean, they, they, yeah. they will sit the furthest away they possibly can. And uh, they, they don't, I, I don't even know how they enjoy church because, because they're, they, they don't enjoy each other. Um, this is what I yeah. dealt with. Um, and, and rural ministry, I don't know all of rural ministry for me has started out that way. I, they, yeah. they just, uh, they just spent a lot of energy on avoiding people they did not like, <laughs> you know, they, Wow. Not of friends. Of course, everyone has their place to sit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some people even leave their eyeglasses hooked in the pew. You know not, what I'm saying? They're not just, you mess know. with that at all. That's <laughs> just something that you don't do. Um, but you know, another thing with health, you know, uh, becoming a servant and a mm. servant-oriented ministry, you know, and teaching that. And we probably don't have time to get into that. What what that all actually looks like, but Oh, sure. But this is a nice flyover for sure. Right, you know, and just, just being able that everyone's a minister. Mm. And uh, so, so some, uh, another sign of dysfunction that, that I have seen um, that maybe people don't think about is the energy that um, rural church people will use to prove other people that they were wrong about them. Mm. Uh, I mean, the Assembly of God business meeting, this is what it's all about. I, I, I mean, when it, when it, when because you have to have that business meeting. Right. There's a once a year. Yeah. Like a lot of organizations. I had sure. was a just was, you know, the term was district affiliated back then, you know. It, oh, sure. Where it, it wasn't quite. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of tied to the greater network and not a ton of people. And you, know, I, you didn't have 20 members, you know, that type of thing. So, so all three of those churches that we've had, we, we actually took to health to, to let them become what they would call, you know, autonomous, you know, 
Right, right, right. They had enough to sustain, yeah, financially, pastorally, you know, members-wise, yeah, all that stuff. But but one thing of health that, that I always thought was really cool in these churches, and you knew you were starting to turn the corner, is people begin to focus on living instead of reliving. Mm. It was about fresh experiences, not just looking at the past right. saying, well, that's that's behind right. us. Right, to just, it, it, wow. you know, and that's an awesome feeling. Yeah. And probably probably the thing that that maybe people don't think about because you know well we always talk about building new relationships because you always taught in school hey you get to this church you know you know change everything and you know you got to get rid of the old and bring in the new yeah 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 toss the grand piano out the window change the colors of the carpet you know hey building these new relationships but building new relationships what I've learned is it is a good thing but the greatest thing about rural ministry and seeing a church turn the corner is when you see people that have been hurt that are willing to restore broken relationships. Wow. And they're at the altar and they're 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 hugging each other and they're weeping and they are repenting to each other. I have seen this. Okay. I, I have seen mm. a lady in the church that was the control freak. Okay. Sure. And she stands up in front of the church and goes, I repent of my control and I need to stop. Wow. Why? Because of because of the energy that's being brought in the room, be, because the church is starting to get healthy. So, wow. You know, those might be some things that maybe not everyone thinks about. But 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 yeah. the, the biggest sign of dysfunction I saw was everyone was assigned and blame, but no one wanted to take responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you look around at the situation and say, well, it must be yeah. somebody, but that somebody sure isn't me. Oh. You know, it was that one upstart guy or that one deacon or that one other person. Yeah. Or, you know, know. There's there's nothing wrong with this church. A few funerals won't fix, you know, type, type, <laughs> type, type. <laughs> Gosh, what a statement. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, so, so hopefully that helps, you know, with just. No, those are all helpful. Help, yeah. But I kind of wanted to make it a little more practical because, because we can give kind of pat answers on this. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think what you said, even if uh, even if people take what you said one by one, like we could stop, we won't, but we could stop the podcast right here, and I would feel like it was worth my time listening just to hear those those markers, because because uh, I'm actually, you know, it's it's not often since I get to live these interviews that I like go back and relive them, you know. But that one's where I'm like, wait a second, yeah. I need to pause and like like write those down. Like I just those are all great, great wisdom. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. Let's uh. Let's move on now to some maybe uh, some more specific words of wisdom that you kind of share with me over the phone. Because I think I, I asked you the question, something along the lines of, hey, what are some things that you've kind of lived by? And what are some of these these you know areas that you really jumped into and said, man, this principle has guided me? So so for the rest of this podcast, you know, I want to maybe focus on three different you know ones of those. But uh, but you mentioned the phrase well-managed failure can lead to success. Can you just unpack what that phrase has meant to you? Boy. That's a big one. That didn't come overnight. Sure. As I hope most words of wisdom didn't. That's a 61-year-old saying it. You know, know, I was when I started this whole thing. But um, yeah, but yes, I have learned that well-managed failure does lead to success. And I would say every time. Uh, um, And And what do you mean by that? You know, break it down for us. Yeah, kind of to unpack that, I I guess I kind of like everyone else thought that I couldn't fail because if I if I failed that would discount the work that God had called me to do. So, so, 
Sure. So you're in, so, so you're the pastor and, and you got to do everything right. And you got to say all the right things in this communication that you're doing with the board or, or with some little old lady. I mean, I could give you story after story after sure, sure. but uh, we won't go there. But I thought ministry was about perfection and the Lord was showing me, you know, it's about progress. And, and uh, you know, I, I think the whole thing with uh, manage with failure is, we're going to fail. Sure. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. Right? We're going to fail. You're not going to communicate in the way that you want to communicate, even though you went over it and, uh, you know, you talked about it or, but, but I think it's about the progress. And in other words, progress, at least I'm headed in the right direction. That, that, that's kind of where I went with it at the beginning. And, and um, if I could define well-managed failure, that leads to success, I guess, is that, you know, when the apostle Paul talked about his weakness, God becomes strong in my weakness. And I began, you know, I, I always prayed, and I, I don't think I'm alone in this, but I always prayed, Lord, take my weakness away. Sure. Yeah. Tempting prayer. It really is. It's what we want, right? There, there's areas I was very strong in, and I knew those areas, but I knew the areas that I was weak in. And, and, and many times those areas I was weak in is the areas I would fail. So through the process of time, this phrase, well-managed failure leads to success. It's just, God, help me work my weakness. You know, let let people see my weakness. Yeah. Instead of avoiding it, you know, work it. Um, because what I have noticed, Joe, and I think other rural ministers would probably agree with me, that it's kind of been in my failures that I found God to do some of his best stuff. I, I could give some examples of that and stories, but, but you know, that God just showed and it's some of the best sermons we've ever heard too. I mean, how many times do, do you know the ones that stick with you at a conference or when someone gets there? It's not, it's not, man, here's my successful season. It's it's man, the dark nights of the soul and what it produced in me. You know, it's it's huge, you know. And so continue on, but I just I love that. Oh, that's a great thought, Joe. You know, but but I, I remember when I was dealing with this and because it's really it makes you vulnerable, it kind of works on your ego because. The last thing you really want to do is to share with your congregation, man, I, I did that wrong. Sure. I, I've been uh, sharing messages and I said, guys, I just want you to know that, you know, when I got over myself and how I got over myself was when the Lord began to speak to me, you know, and, and he, he said this and I, and I quote, Barry, I don't need your strength. I just desire your surrender. Wow. You know, Huge. And, and, you know, right there is a whole nother podcast, right? Yeah, honestly, I know. I'm like starting to think to myself, I'm like, this should have been two parts. I'm like, this should have been, you know, but it's okay. We got one long episode yeah, that I'm going to listen and re-listen to, you know, but, so it's it's good. When I begin to really realize that and live it, sure. you know, because uh, information, by the way, is not transformation. Sure. And, and transformation only takes place at an altar when you get with your Lord and you stand before God on behalf of your people so you can actually be vulnerable enough to share with your people hey i am i am weak he is strong and uh when i shared this stuff from behind the i mean trust was built i i remember a guy you know i i i'm sharing this this thought that we're talking about right now and and the guy came into my office and goes you know what i usually don't talk to preachers his wife was coming to church <laughs> You know, it's one of those things your wife comes to church, but you don't come to church. Why he? Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, this is on Easter. Well, the last thing you want to share your weaknesses about is on Easter because that's your biggest attendance. Yeah, my goodness. Yeah, that's not exactly a, a star-studded sermon, you know. Now, the Lord's telling me, hey, I want you to share this. I'm going like, no, 
<laughs> you know, so you're struggling up there, you know, and then, of course, then I share it. Well, this guy comes in and he goes, you know, I've never heard a minister ever do that. And wow. I want to open up to you because you opened up to me and your weakness. Wow. And now I'm sharing with you about the relationship mm-hmm. with my wife and the weakness and, and how I'm a narcissist and, <laughs> and how. Dang, uh, yeah, and just unloads. I mean, he's just right there. And, you know, and, and, and this guy doesn't know the Lord. Yeah. You know? uh, he ended up knowing the Lord. Wow. It, it, it took a period of time. It doesn't. Oh, sure. It's not overnight. Yeah. This guy came to Christ, you know. So so I just began to realize, you know, working, you know, failures lead to success because we're deficient in a lot of areas in ministry. But I learned that my deficiency never destroys God's destiny for the church. Wow. I mean, God put Sheldon there before I got there. Yeah, and he left it there after you left. You know, you know, God, God put McCook there. I mean, I had nothing to do with it. And last time I checked, his word says, I will build my church. Yeah. You know, and uh, so we can't give up on the rural communities. If there's 12 people, 10 people, two people, you know, sure. tough for a church. And that's just my mentality. But if I can just have a couple more thoughts on that failure thought. Yeah, let's go for it. I'm enjoying it. What I what I've learned is that the failure that I had in ministry it refined me, and I think what happens and why we don't want to open up about failure or even be open enough because we think failure defines us. But what I've learned is failure refines me; it doesn't define me. The correction of God, you know, God reproves and God puts that out in the open because why? Because you know He wants to do something in my life greater than what's going on right now. The whole thought of weakness, if there's anybody listening to this podcast, I just thought I'd write this down because I think it's important. If my weakness is never exposed, how can anyone else encourage my weakness? Yeah, we invite help, you know, by by being transparent. And like, isn't that the body of Christ, right? Yeah. That's the point. In, in rural ministry, I, I think the rural minister has the most awesome opportunity for a comeback than anybody ever in a big ever mm-hmm. have. Yeah. I mean, when when you're running 175 people in the town of 263. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a statement. I mean, that uh, is, you that's know. not you. Right. Okay, right. You got to take responsibility. And my philosophy in that is has always been God. I need to do what I can, but what I can't do, you've got to take over. Yeah. And, you know that that's just really simple. But you know what? If you don't ever have a setback, you never have a comeback. So I look. Failures yeah. or setbacks, yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> uh, did that wrong, uh, but I opened up to my board. I opened up to my people uh, right in church. I, I use our service as a discipleship uh, service. I, I, I've never created our service to be to catch the lost. Sure, kind of that attractional model that some have found. Yeah, some have found success at for sure. You know, but I'm not. I'm not saying either one's right or wrong. Sure, but just sharing your yeah, journey. Yeah, I'm just sharing what's what's worked for us. But but I've had many people come to Christ because our uh, my philosophy has always been in ministry as far as a church is worship God, exalt the Son, pursue holiness, mm. and in doing that, I I just made the service for the saints that are there encourage, edify, build up the body of Christ. And in doing so, they become the mouthpiece and go out to the community and evangelize the community and people come in and come to Christ. We've we've had six people come to Christ here in the last two months, just right here in McCook. None of them were, uh, they're all remodeled jobs, uh, meth users, prison people. I mean, I'm surprised it didn't come to church in Orange, you know? Yeah. I mean, just wow. people that you never thought would, would, would ever come to Christ. So Hopefully that kind of clarifies, you know. 
It does. And, you know, and again, just a fountain of wisdom on that topic. And, and truly, I mean, it just seems like out of all this, the subjects we talked about, that's one that, that is near and dear to your heart and has shaped, you know, your ministry and, and some of the success that the Lord has brought. Well, let's talk about a, a couple more words of wisdom. You know, again, uh, I'm just, I'm just enjoying this, just a really fruitful conversation. Uh, you also mentioned having the mindset of kind of enjoying the whole package or the entire journey of rural ministry. Um, you know, and and I know that that's been an important approach for you to have. So maybe unpack that for us. What is that? What does that mean for you? Yeah, I I would love to unpack that. But can I go back to that uh, mismanaged failure just one more time? Oh, of course. You know, I'm not going to say no. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I think what's really important because you know, pride pride will kill you. Pride destroy pride will destroy the rule minister faster than anything, because you know we we've been talking about well managed failure can lead to success. Well, mismanaged success will always lead to failure. You know, we get this success. Hey, we've arrived. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I've had that in my life, dude. And uh, yeah. it can fall apart really quick because wow. God teaches you. Okay. So, so anyway, I, I thought that would be important to hit. Yeah, no, I love that. And honestly, again, like timeframes are flexible things. And, and I'm all about saying what needs to be said, because again, this, this podcast is about finding that growth and that encouragement, but let, let's do turn our attention. So again, unpack that mindset. Why is it important to enjoy the whole package of rural ministry? Kind of going back to that arriving thing. When I was in Bible college, it, what, whether they meant to meant to put that in your mind or not, they they put in my mind and my you got to arrive. There, there's a time when you arrive in ministry. Man, here is Barry Johnson, and boy, isn't he something? <laughs> and uh, ministry is not. And I, I've learned that rural ministry really isn't about arriving; it's about the journey. And here's what I kind of mean by that. I'm kind of going to share this with a story because go, going back to Sheldon, of course, uh, we had actually built a new building in Sheldon in less than a year, and we had it paid off in less than a year. And uh, just miracle after miracle after miracle in this building. Of course, I was there every day working on the church. I had carpentry skills and doing all that stuff. So I'd, I I was putting up 12-foot sheetrock, 5.8s up on the ceiling, you know, all that. Gosh, uh, yeah. Gosh, Yes. So, but uh, what was interesting, we we're, we're now in this new building, everything's fresh, everything's new. And I want to take you back to a story of a lady that I had at my church. Her name was Elaine Mortimer. I'll do this real quick. Uh, she invites me over to her house. She's one of these old assembly God ladies that just so godly, you know, uh, never says anything bad about anybody, you know, you know, just the kind of ladies you always want in your church, virtuous woman, for sure. And uh, she said, she called me up and said, Pastor, can you come over to my house? And I'm going like, wow, this is odd because she never did that. Well, uh, this was when the church was probably running 30. And she said, Pastor, I had a vision. I usually don't have visions, but I had a vision of a church on the east side of town. And I don't even know if it even exists because it didn't look familiar. And all these hands were in the air and no one could see the people on the worship team up on the stage. I'm going, really? I said, yeah. Well, to put that in perspective, two months later with my board, there's this property on the east side of town. And oh, wow. there after the board meeting, we kind of weep tears on this property. I said, God, if you want us to have this, you know, because we didn't have a lot of money. We knew God wanted to do something. So so we prayed. And two years later, we've got this property and we're building a new church. Wow. And, and again, this church has paid off in less than a year in a rural church of 260, uh, uh, probably about at that time, 90 people. Sure. Yeah. So the reason why I say that is because I'm in the worship service. All of a sudden I look up, here's all these hands in the air. I cannot see the worship team to save my life. 
And I said these words, Joe, we've arrived. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And God checked me. And this is where I kind of live by this. It's not about arriving. It's about the journey. He says, Barry, I want you to enjoy the journey, build relationships with all of these people. I was always wanting to have a moment, but understanding the journey is about movement. It's not about the moment. Mm. And what I mean by that is this, it's kind of like you, you are not an American dad if you haven't taken your kids in a minivan for at least 700 miles to a, sure. to, to a destination. Because the sure. only thing you're going to hear from your kids is, are we there yet? Okay. And the, the Lord was showing me, says, Barry, it says, as a father, you have a different view than your kids did, right? Their thought was on the destination. My thought was just on Hey, all the stuff that happens at the convenience store and things, new, new things you learn about, whether it's carrier kindred or your wife or laughing together and, you know, just doing all that stuff, even the van breakdown, <laughs> you know, or sure. The classic, yep. Got to have automotive issues or it's not a real trip. It's kind of like the father, Joe, it's kind of like the father was showing me, he says, you know what? I'm driving the van. Don't worry about if you're there yet. Just enjoy that. Yeah. with me and relationship with your people and, you know, getting close to those people. And in, and in rural ministry, I'm telling you what, there is so much enjoyment in the journey. If you'll just stop and forget about trying to arrive. Okay. Now my church has this amount of people, or now my church has this amount of people, or now I'm a, right. uh, uh, now I'm, I'm not a district affiliated church, but I'm a I'm a class A church, quote, quote, class A church. I'm autonomous. Now we're a real church. You know how many times I've heard that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure people feel that way. Honestly, they, you know, they say, well, well, yeah, we have, but again, the Lord checks and he, and he refocuses, you know? Yeah. So, you know, just connecting with people. If it's never about the journey, you're, 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 you're never really connecting. Yeah. And you might find yourself missing out. Uh you, you can pastor a church for, for probably 10 years and not connect with anybody. Mm. It's possible. Mm. So is the minister connecting with the people? Is it, you know, are, are we enjoying the journey? I mean, there were struggles, Joe. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I remember being at pe- people's houses. It's at 2.30 in the morning. Mar- marriage is about ready to fall apart. Yeah. You know, um, smoke-infested rooms of kids that were sick that the dad wouldn't stop smoking. And they the mom, mom calls you up and says, hey, would you pray for my daughter? You know, and you go in there and you pray and God heals the daughter, but the guy's still smoking. You know, you know, and, and, and of course, yeah. you sit there, you know, at 2.30 in the morning. You, you, you sit there at this farmhouse and you, and you just talk to the guy and say, hey, j- just connecting with the guy. And they, meanwhile, the guy's blowing smoke in your face and definitely not necessarily respecting you. Calling your pastor, that's for sure. I don't even want to yeah. you called me. Well, that's powerful stuff, sir. I do want to, uh, you know, hit on this last bit of wisdom as we as we close up here. You mentioned that uh, one of the one of the steps pastors frequently take right away is uh, when you come into a church that's having some struggles, you try and uh, bring order to chaos, bring structure to, you know, to kind of the the, the dysfunction we might see. Um, but when you brought that up, you said, hey, there's actually a step before that. And so can you just elaborate? You use the phrase, you know, we want to move people towards trust and not just towards structure. Can you just take, again, maybe a couple minutes as we wrap up here and elaborate on why that's important for leaders? Oh, yeah, it's, it's big. Uh, matter of fact, if you ever take a little rural church, it is already, it, it's unstructured. Sure. And um, every church that my wife and I took, we could have took, we could have took weeks on everything that needed corrected. And we probably would have been right. 
Um, but the last thing, and I know this doesn't make sense, but the last thing a little unstructured church needs is structure. What, 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 that, sure. what that church needs is trust. Uh, because what I ran into is whether it was poor leadership in the past or whatever, I, I don't want to really dive into that, but, but they just did not trust the pastor. They did not trust it. In fact, in Sheldon, uh, I was questioned because I had a motive because I was there because there's no way that you would come to this church. There's nothing here. Right. So that's, you know, that's how far towards, uh, you know, they weren't interested in bylaws. They weren't interested. Do we have 20 members? They weren't interested in we right. have Sunday school. What What's our spiritual formation or whatever. Right. It was just one simple question. Do we trust our leadership or not? But they were scared. They yeah. I, and and I tell you, um, in McCook here right now, when I first came here, I talked. You know, it was a very de- it was deceived. It has taken sure. me three and a half. It took me three and a half years to build trust between people. And, and, and this whole idea of trust is interesting in in relationships because you might be. I mean, you haven't asked a question, but people might be out there going like, "Okay, what what does that look like?" I think it's a goal that a lot of people do. And, and, and it's a, I'm just going to come out and say it. It's a big mistake. If you come to a rural church that's hurting and it's like not structured and, and you're talking about trust here, your goal should not be to stop them from feeling what they're feeling right now. They don't feel like, you know, you, because I told them, I says, I know you don't trust me. I understand that uh, for trust, you have to discover your ear and, and not your voice. Oh, wow. So, so, so it's kind of like, okay, I'm listening. And boy, did I hear stories, you know, and none of them were positive. Um, we, we got three churches here. We got a dead church. We got a dying church. We got a deceived church. Is anything positive going to come out of this? The answer is probably no. Um, so so sure, you're just sure. listening to, to this. So here's the goal. Don't stop them from trying to feel what they're feeling right now. Begin to feel yeah. something new. Like there is hope for this church because God put this church here. Hey, I'm not going to back out on you. I finally had a lady in this church just two weeks ago say, I don't think you're going to go anywhere. I Every time I went somewhere here, here in McCook, they thought I was itinerating or, 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 or excuse me, trying out for a, a different church. So that, you know, that trust and that relationship, because here's what trust does, Joe. And, and you yeah. know, I, I've never been in a big church, so I, so I don't know how that kind of looks in a. Sure, those dynamics but, and all but, the jazz, yeah. You know, trust in a rural church will create more energy than the past can burn. Oh, wow. Yeah, honestly. Wow. Every one of these churches, you're always going to deal with something in the past. That That's something that you're never going to get away unless you stay there like a really long time. Okay. And I was in Sheldon for 22 years and, and it became less and less. But but what happens with trust in relationships, it, it it brings an energy because the past is what burns up energy. So when when it was creating more energy, what 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 was happening, Joe, is that we begin to get what, you know, people have called momentum. Sure. Yeah. I mean, trust, yeah, breeds yeah, that momentum. It's a little faster. But, but we think it deals with structure when, all, when, when actually it deals with trust. Now, structure needs to come, mm. you know, don't. Right. But if we're talking about, you know, which came first, chicken or the egg, you know, you're saying, hey, let's focus our energy here because what's here will then create room for the yeah. second thing, you know. So, so in, in these relationships with trust, I, you know, you, you learn real fast. It, it, it's never about correction. It's just about connection. Because in an unstructured mm-hmm. rule church that's all negative, boy, there's a lot of things you can correct. And you could correct them from the pulpit. Right. You could correct them. And, and you would probably have some biblical grounds, but you just got to listen to the Lord. Uh, something that we've always done, and I think it's important. We haven't talked about this. All of this, of course, has bathed in prayer. 
But altars mm-hmm. have to be open, especially in a rural church. You've got to open up those mm-hmm. altars. You've got to let them, give them opportunity to come to the altar. Just just last Sunday, we had 16 people at the altar getting rid of depression sure. or whatever. And, and, and that's a culture that has to be built, but that can't happen without trust. That's got to, yeah. that's got to be trust. And uh, probably about the only other thing I can say about trust, you know, okay, so, so how do I build trust? What do I do? Well, I think trust is built by not doing something great. I think trust is built by just doing what's right. Yeah, absolutely. I had someone come to my church. They tried to do their spiritual thing. Um, I guess this had happened in this church a lot. And uh, I said, hey, this is not of the Lord. We're shutting this down. I had this person ushered out. And uh, um, my board came to me and says, you don't know how much we appreciate this. I can trust you a little bit more now. Well, just just from showing the value of saying I do care about yeah. the well-being uh, of this church, man. I probably talked too long the way it is. No, it's okay. And honestly, this has been, uh, you know, it was. I think uh, I'm excited because I think I anticipated a certain length of conversation, but I, but I literally can't point to a single time where I thought, man, I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm glad you said everything you said. And so, um, but from us at Rural Advancement, we just want to say, you know, uh, thank you, Pastor Barry, for sharing today. It just has meant the world to us, and hopefully, will mean the world to our listeners as well. Yeah. Hey, can I, can I just say one more thing? Oh, of course. Uh, you know. <laughs> We have this desire in, in, in rural ministry. People do have to be drawn to you, um, sure. but we often kind of put that in personality. Okay. Sure. And it's never about a personality. Um, but what I have learned is that people will draw, will, will be drawn to you if you're in a relationship with someone that's greater than yourself. That's kind of been something that I always try to do. You know, I, I, you know, obviously that someone is Christ. And if, if people's going to be drawn to you, you, you don't have to have this personality. You don't have to, you know, sometimes people get this idea, well, if you just preach better, this church would grow, you know, sure. if you had a, you know, you know, you gotta, you gotta change who you are, that type of thing. But um, I'm telling you, uh, you might as well be yourself because everyone else is taken, you know, mm. that's kind of how I view it. And uh, if I could just end with this, you know, how you, how you tell your story is important because the story you tell is the life that you're ultimately going to live. And that life's going to come through the church. So anyway, that's my last. Look. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And, and again, I'm, I'm excited because uh, for me, you know, this, uh, this podcast we've had today is going to be just a journey of unpacking, uh, what has been a lifetime of lessons. And so, uh, truly, truly thank you, Pastor Barry. And, uh, for all our listeners, I hope that you walk away from this podcast, uh, encouraged and, and just, just kind of excited, you know, to unpack that wisdom yourself. And so, um, as we, as we say most weeks, you know, uh, again, this is, this is all about sharing from the Royal Heart to the Royal Heart. It's, it's not just speaking good things, but it's spoken by people who have lived there who understand. And who are, uh, you know, just on board to empower God's work in small places. So, uh, as usual, the best way to spread this podcast is just by word of mouth, by finding one more minister who you might think would would benefit from these conversations. Um, but uh, for today, I've been your host, Joe Epley, and he has been Pastor Barry Johnson, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.